no man is an island. Everything that you do affects other people. And you have to be collaborative in spirit to really stick the marathon out. The marathon of life. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like just living in the marathon of trying to be whole. podcast. Allie and I are here with Jasimiel Jenkins today. Why don't you give us a shout out, Jasimiel, and tell everybody your perspective on life and what you do. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Hi, all. Do you, what do you call your listeners? Anglers? Yes. <laughs> shout out to the two of you for having me here. Happy to be here. What I do with my days, of course, has changed dramatically, I'm sure, for everybody listening and everyone across the world. So over the past year, I have been spending a lot of time investigating myself, my interests, how I can be productive, given the new free time that I haven't ever had before. But what's been marvelous and kind of miraculous about it all is that I was in a really, I was in severe need of some time away from everything. I was in severe need of some time out of the hamster wheel. Mm. And I do know why I have been given that. And it's been a really beautiful gift. Obviously, it's been a difficult time for many families, many people. And I am respectful of that. And I hold space in my heart and in my spirit for that. Because any any loss of any other human life is the loss for us for us all. We're all, you know, one, we're all one body, so to speak. Right. In terms of sharing space on this planet. But for me, It's been really a wonderful healing time of rest. Mm. I've been giving myself permission to rest. You know, I've worked since I was 17 years old. Wow. My first job was at the Olive Garden, Square Mall. Oh, yummy. Uh, Shout out to Chesapeake, Virginia. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was a host there. And so I've been working in some capacity for a long time. You know, if you think about it, that's like almost 20 years of working and I'm still young. So in other words, the only point that I'm trying to make is that this time of not working has been really quite necessary in ways I didn't know that I didn't know I needed. I've been able to catch up with myself in some really major ways, and that's been really great. I did work from home for a while, for a few months, but I was laid off in October because there was really no need for me anymore, which was totally fine. I I sort of felt it coming. And after that, I've just been... So since October, I've just been relaxing fully collecting unemployment because I worked a really great job for seven years. Um, I got a really generous severance package from the job and my unemployment uh, went through pretty swiftly and I started getting payments within a couple of weeks. So I've just kind of been enjoying unemployment and relaxing and taking care of myself, mind, body, spirit. And that has included lots of cooking and eating. You know, Tanuke and I have had many together Yum. and I mm-hmm. love to eat. Many a delicious dinner. I love to cook. So I've been taking care of myself that way. I've been really trying to to savor and breathe in each moment in a new way and slow down throughout the day and really pay attention to how I'm feeling and what my body is doing. 
in any given moment. And that's been really healing and wonderful. And I feel like I've gotten to know myself in a real, in a new and intimate way. And that's been great. The second part of your question, how do I describe myself? It's shifting, it's changing, it's evolving. I think I was one of those people who found my value in what I did every day and how I and how I made money <laughs> and who was paying me to do things. I think my value was wrapped up in that for a while, but now that all of that has sort of been stripped away, I'm learning that I am merely a merely human and I'm merely heart, spirit, and mind. At my core, I am awareness, really. Mm. I think the individuality that we all have is really rooted in our attention, what we pay attention to and where our attention is focused. And that's who we truly are because what we pay attention to and what we give because I think attention is really the only thing that we that we have that's fully ours. Attention and awareness. Any other material thing is kind of will deteriorate, will will evaporate, will go away. But what we truly are and who we truly and what we truly have that's ours is the attention that we give to things. And I think that's really all that I am. So placing my awareness and my attention on things, who I am and who I wish to be and how I'm connecting with people is kind of how I describe myself in this moment. But it's ever-changing and evolving. Well, let's back up a bit because all of that, there's so much to what you just said. There's like a lot there. So right off the bat, like we're here because we want to talk about the fact that everybody is different, yet we're all in the same place, right? And everyone's successes are different. Everyone's day-to-days are different. And there are some people doing a lot that we never hear about. And so we want to hear what everyone has to say that we may not see or run into on a daily basis. So I'm curious so that we can catch up to like where you're at and all these things you're doing to catch up with yourself. Where did you grow up? Like, did you always want to act? Was that what you started doing? How'd you get to do that? Because I know, I don't know if we told our listeners that you are trying to act and trying to get a master's in acting. And that's sort of where you're at, right? Or correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So I have been acting pretty much since college. I went to, so I grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, 757. Holler back. <laughs> from Virginia. But anyway, I grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I actually sat on church pews as a kid watching my dad direct plays for. Yeah. So for the first seven or eight years of my life, my parents were still together. I remember I have vivid memories of watching my dad direct plays that he had written for the church's drama ministry. One was called 12 Gates to the City. One was called We Shall Behold Him. Wow. And then there was another one that was kind of popular. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, he was sort of like the local Tyler Perry before Tyler Perry became. And that's probably the best way to describe him because there are lots of people like Tyler Perry across probably the American South. Men and women who are doing things for their churches and sort of have either started or are nurturing a drama ministry at churches because it's a great way for people to see the Bible come alive. And it's kind of exciting. But so I used to watch my dad do that. And that was sort of my first taste of drama in that way. But I didn't really understand how that would affect me or what that would mean for me until I got to college. So after my parents divorced when I was about eight, I went to live with my mother and she's a bit more square than my dad, I'll say, in the best way. (laughs) Easily probably the person who raised me for sure, because she's very structured. She's kind, but like firm. And she spent her life working in IT. So she's just more square that way in the professional sense. My dad was a bit rogue, a bit of a renaissance man, a bit of a wild creative. That's cool. 
Yeah. So that's the beginning of it. So, but then also in high school, I started singing in the high school chorus and I had sang in church growing mm. up. So that was sort of the second piece of my interest in like performing. But then in college, fast forwarding, I took an acting class after my first year because I stayed in town to work in the admissions office. I've been working all my life. <laughs> I didn't want to go home because I felt like going home would be a bit of a bore. So I stayed on campus and I got a job in the admissions office and I talked my mother into paying for me to go to take some summer classes. And I took an acting class and I took an econ class and I took some other class, I forget. And I felt a light bulb, really. It was like a, it was the quintessential aha moment. It was like, oh, this is like a cool thing that, that feels like something I should do. This feels like me. This feels like what I, what I want. This feels true to who I am. This feels like something I could see myself doing in life. And that was sort of the beginning of it. Wow. Okay. So then I can keep going. I mean, after, after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I'm, I'm like marinating. So Tanuke, have you ever heard of the Southeastern Theater Conference? Um, SEC? Because you went to school in Northeast and Philadelphia area. Jersey. Yeah, we did a whole bunch of mid-Atlantic, northern other things, yeah. So in college, University of Virginia, which is where I went to school, the University of Virginia, was part of the Southeastern Theater Conference, and they had the option of sending drama kids, drama actors, student actors, to this conference every year for job placement, basically. So I was selected from the university. We had to do a screening at the university, and then the professors would sponsor us to go to this conference. And this, the year that I went, was it was in Atlanta. And so I went with about five or six other student actors from my school. And we auditioned for summer theater gigs and other professional jobs who were looking for young actors. And that's where I met Jose Tanuke from Walnut Street Theater. Okay, from Walnut Street. And that's also where I booked a summer job with Stephen Foster Productions in Louisville, Kentucky, playing Jim in Big River. (laughs) And so that was sort of the beginning of understanding that, oh, this is something that I could do. And so, and one of the professors at the University of Virginia was really sort of encouraging and really spoke beautiful sort of affirmation to me that this was something that I could do and pursue if I just put my mind to it. His name was Bob Chapel. And so anyway, I went to SETC and booked some booked a lot of work unexpectedly. So I immediately after college went to Louisville, Kentucky and was paid really quite well for a summer stock gig, lead musical in a, in a musical, playing Jim and Big River in an amphitheater that was 1,500 seats. And I also was casting like three other small they were doing in the summer. And then after that, I did Actors Theater of Louisville, which is the acting training program in Louisville, Kentucky at a regional theater. And then after that, I did Walnut Street Theater. So I did really three exciting jobs back college. And then I just sort of kept going after that. Wow. So did you consider moving? Like, where'd you go after Louisville? Did you go right to Philly? Because where are you right now? I live in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, oh. So after Louisville, I moved to Philly because I did the program at the Walnut Street Theater. Okay, right. After I finished that, some random Philadelphia jobs. I was commuting up to New York pretty regularly for auditions and came close for to a few things and then in 2013 i moved to la okay well how's the la transition been i feel like tanuke and i both left for our own reasons and it's i think very different even now from when we left but do you see yourself there for a while do you like it you know i haven't given this a ton of thought 
So this is a good question. <laughs> I like LA, but LA feels like a right now. Mm. That's a great way to put that. Yeah. It's like, oh, this feels good right now. Mm-hmm. The thing about Los Angeles is just a, a very expensive city. Right. Mm-hmm. I am the kind of person growing up in Virginia. I grew up like in a house with a yard. And those are kind of the things that I still kind of yearn for. Mm-hmm. And pretty friggin' difficult to have that kind of life in Los Angeles without for sure. being an actual millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, if you look at real estate, it's like those rates are steep. <laughs> I believe in my heart that anything is possible for sure. So, I mean, I certainly would love, like I drive through Larchmont. I'm like, gosh, what a dream to like live in Larchmont, like have a beautiful right. house. Oh, I know. My dream neighborhood, I think, was Toluca Lake when I lived out there. <laughs> Yeah. Also gorgeous. Areas of the valley are really beautiful and there is certainly a possibility, but it's just going to take some work. And so for me, just taking a moment to reflect back on quarantine, I've really been thinking about how to move forward career-wise and and how best to to manage my income capacity and how to diversify my income. One way to do that is to get another education, is to get you know, more educated in the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to apply the MFA program because I think once I'm finished, it would at least open up a couple of more doors in terms of being able to teach or being able to coach or maybe even taking on, I would like, I would love to be a drama professor and teach students. That'd be a lot of fun. And so getting a master's is just a great do- step in that direction. And there's no, and there's, there, I just see, I see nothing but it benefiting me. So I've made that decision to go back to grad school, to go back to school. Mm-hmm for our masters. And we'll see what road that opens. And also, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun being in the academic environment again and to again and to be on stage again regularly and just to surrender myself to process and to sharpen the voice that I feel is just aching to like be heard. Mm, gosh, I know how you feel. I completely... I meet people so often where I'm like, how does no one know you? Mm. How can... Like that's, you know, you meet people that just say things that resonate with you and you're just like, you're so connected, whatever, like just, and even random connections. So yeah, I totally, totally feel you on that. Do you feel like quarantine kind of brought a silver lining of reflection for you that brought you there? Or did you already know you were going to do a master's or that you wanted to? I've been thinking about an MFA for years because when I finished at the Walnut, Tanuke, Tanuke did that same program. I when I because I'd done two programs back to back and I finished and I was like, I still don't really have what I was looking for. Right. Because what I really what I in hindsight, what I really wanted was I wanted to understand A, what I was capable of and how to work on my own, how to prepare on my own, how to call character forward from inside myself on my own. And I feel like I had bits and pieces, I had nuggets, but I didn't have anything that was integrated. Even now when I something or when I book something, I'm like, okay, so like, what do I do now? <laughs> and I don't think that, that that answer, it's not always an easy answer, but I do want a way of working that I can sort of employ every time I am working on something. And I feel like right now, I never really know what. Like a clear, clear process. Can you explain for us and for listeners and for those who see acting but don't necessarily understand the process of beats and scenes and intentions and actable verbs. Can you explain 
what sorts of things you have discovered already in your time honing your craft and what sorts of things you might hope to find in that next chapter. Because I think when I often hear people's critiques of movies, it's like, yeah, you know, I love the action. Or yeah, you know, there was this great love scene. Or there are these (laughs) ways that many folks will watch movies, TV shows, but when it really comes to the crux of the intention, what the actor was doing when they were connecting to the other actors, and all that behind the, the subtle things and the things that happen in rehearsal, can you explain to folks what sorts of techniques you employ, Meisner or Stanislavski, and, and it doesn't even need to be too technical, but can you explain to folks? Because they might think MFA and acting, what does that actually mean? Like, do you watch movies all day? Like, do you <laughs> read scenes, memorize lines, and you're done? Like, how does, what's the specifics behind that? Well, every program is different, obviously. So I really can't speak to that specifically. But I, what I can say, or I'll, where I will go in the fall, oh my God, I'm making the announcement now officially, I guess, on your podcast. Yay! Exclusive. Exclusive. Um, Tell the world. <laughs> exclusive announcement on Angled Podcast. I'm attending the University of Washington in Seattle. And, and what I know of their program is that it's very physical. Yeah, Seattle's so cool. I'm dying to go there. Yeah, it's a very physical program. I have two friends who who finished there, who got their MFAs there. And so they it comes highly recommended and it's in the top twenty for MFA programs, which is really exciting. But their program is very physical. So here's the thing. I mean, it's perfect for me because I am someone who I have learned I am a very cerebral individual. And I'm also a very cerebral artist. Mm. So mm. I live in my head, I get stuck in my head, and I work in my head. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. to bring, again, back to awareness, to bring awareness out of mind and into body is going to be difficult, but wonderful and revealing for me as an artist. Because that's what I think I'm needing right now. Because that's where, that's where you really feel the connection. That's where you really feel... That's where things really touch you is in the body space, I think, more than in the mind. I mean, there are things that simulate our minds for sure, artistically, but the things that become most meaningful for us are the things that hit us where in the body, in the heart, or in the gut, or in the lungs. Right. That is so true. Um, <laughs> so, and so that's the kind of work that, real. Yeah, that's the kind of work that I'm interested in waking up inside myself. In terms of, of method or how I work, for me, it's always about the text. In the beginning was the word. Amen. <laughs> and so when you're building and when you're building a world, which is what we're doing when whenever we take on a character in a world of a player in the world of a musical or in the world of a movie or the world of a TV show, in the beginning was the word. The word is the world. <laughs> you know, how people communicate with each other is the world. Right. Read the word, read the world. So everything has to come back to the text. And the next level up from text is relationships because how people relate to each other is the world, right? Like how are there important people in this world? Mm. Are there people who I would perceive to be more important than me in this world? Are there people who I would perceive to be less important than me in this world? What is hierarchy in this world? The relationships, the people that I'm talking to throughout the course of the world of this play or the course of the world of this story, what do those people mean to me? What do they mean to me? And what do I mean to them? And what is our relationship mm-hmm. at its Straight core? Up. 
Are we fucking? <laughs> Are we best friends? What was the moment that made us best friends? You know what I mean? Totally. Because that's how you wake up text and that's how you wake up behavior is understanding my relationship to whoever I'm talking to. But in the beginning was the word, it's always the word. And then it's always relationships. That's step two. There's more that I could go into, but that's the basic fundamental for me. So I always go to text. Why is the character using this word instead of this word? Why is this happening here? And so what I will tell you, if the text is good, which is another conversation, if the text is good, it will awaken something inside. Because if the text is good, it comes from a writer who has been inspired by an actual event or who has been inspired by some divine human emotion or some divine human experience. And guess what? I'm human too. Exactly. So if I, if I surrender myself to the text and if the text is good and if the writing is good and if the writer is inspired by something truthful and honest and authentic, it's going to wake up something inside me. And so what I have learned over the course of the last few years is like, once I am really comfortable with it and I know what every single word means, I know what every single sentence means, I know the relationships well, I just speak it. I speak it and I allow it to change me on the inside. And then I just let that all. And you'll find that if you keep working through it that way and honoring the sentence structure and the periods, and we'll talk about, we can talk about beats and things later, but I'm just talking about what's on the page. You'll find that it will awaken something. I'm like so excited that you said not only authentic, but that you are finding that things change in you when you learn from these things and when you actually play them out and when you, you know, you make it physical with acting, because I've always thought, and this is just an alley theory. My brain's always like, but um, like, I've always believed that no matter what you want to do in life, you almost anyone could major in drama or acting and get so much out of it, whether they want to act or not. Right. You just said it like proves what I've always thought. And I'm curious because of that, do you feel that you've noticed your own strengths develop, get stronger or get weaker? Or did you realize new strengths because of certain texts and things you've done as an actor? Like, has it made you feel like you have like more of a presence in a room for just an interview or even just with, with friendships? Yeah, I think so. I can't think of a specific example. Well, actually, when I was preparing pieces for grad school auditions, there was one piece that I discovered by Terrell Allen McCraney, the same person who wrote. Allen McCraney plays. Yeah, I read through his a lot of his material, and all of it, of course, is great. But I found one monologue in The Brother Size, and that lit a fire inside of me in a way that I had not expected. And so that was really revealing to me as a person. And that was one monologue that I just read a couple times, and then I memorized, and then I started working it, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a train. Because you feel the tug inside yourself when you're following the text and you know what you're saying. You feel it pulling you forward. And just follow that impulse and get out of your head. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that revealed some things. That revealed some rage inside of me that I had been sitting on. And that helped me sort of channel it in a really safe and healthy way. Right. And I agree with you when you say that anybody can benefit from a drama class or a drama education, for sure. Because really, it's about connecting. Mm-hmm. And it's about truth-telling. And it's about it's about standing in who you are, because really, the work of an acting education is really about self-discovery, like at its core. Yeah. Right. And then you apply, but you, you can only be who you are, right? 
you can certainly transform into other things, but you have to still use what is inside of you. And so that's real. That's really the, the education of it. And you also have to disconnect, right? You have to like actually be able to physically and mentally separate from what you are becoming, which I think is probably the hardest part. And I think why so many very successful actors need to have some very consistent therapy to like keep themselves in check. So I've always thought that, but what would you say your newest strengths are? Like, what do you think if you had to actually say a characteristic or a new trait that you've gained from your acting experience, could you think of one or is it more too generic? I think acting has made me a more observant person in general. Mm. And also acting has just made me more collaborative in spirit. Right. Because it's all about listening. Yeah. Mm. So even when I have support jobs or even in my relationships with friends, I think my spirit is just more collaborative. And Tanuke gave me a really beautiful painting that I still have that says, if you want to go far... If you want to go far, go alone. No, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that has sort of been, that's also one of the great lessons, I think, in an acting education is just um, the idea that, like, no man is an island. Everything that you do affects other people, and you have to be collaborative in spirit to really stick the marathon out. The marathon of life. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like, just living in the marathon of trying to be whole. Oh, that's real. When you say collaborative, where does that play a role with your community? Do you think you've gained a new and better, I shouldn't say better because every community matters as you grow, but like, have you gained a different community that's helped move you forward since acting or like within a program? Or is it, do you think your community, your strongest is still from, from home and like, or your family? I was thinking about this the other night as I was falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, that's when thoughts run wild. Oh, yeah. Uh, your mind's about to rest, and then here come 10 thoughts to lull you. Yeah. <laughs> I realized that my community has, is largely made up of people that I've known for a long time. And I haven't really had much success connecting with people in a sustainable way or a substantive way, really, in Los Angeles. The community that I have here are people that I, is comprised primarily of people that I already knew. Mm-hmm. people from other acting programs that I've done, people from past acting jobs, people who I maybe went to college with. I have a college group that are in LA and we hang out and we have regular virtual hangouts now. Nuke, it's Nuke I knew from Philadelphia. Right. We've known each other since 2010, maybe? Yeah, around that time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's real. And it was like we became each other's transplant chosen family. In LA, kind of like just a whole circle of transplants. <laughs> the people that I have met in LA were through people that I already knew. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty cool with Carrie. Right. Carrie, right. I, okay. So, people that I've even I've met in LA were also people through channels of people that I already knew. Mm-hmm. So, that's sort of been the community. I don't know if that means anything or what to make of that yet because I don't really like to. I think people are easy to assume that. Los Angeles people are kind of flighty and aren't really all that loyal as friends. I don't want to say that. I don't think that's true necessarily. But I will say that the people that I have gotten close to here are people that I already knew. And that has grown, the network has grown a little bit. Or I will say it's been people through jobs. Because I have had, I had a really sort of like legitimate professional job for a long time at a museum. And 
I met a lot of close friends through work, but they weren't performers or artists in the same way. So that's the answer. (laughs) That makes total sense. I think you hit a big one when you said a bunch of transplants, because I think we all felt similar having been from Philly and LA was a certain mission, right? We're, We're going for very specific goals. And we don't go assuming we're going to have friends or assuming we're going with friends. We're going because there's certain types of work there that we want to try to do. And if it's going to work for you, it works and it's awesome. But if it doesn't, you know, you always go back to your people, right? You're just Mm -hmm. like, this isn't going to work. Like I need, I need my crew. Like who's my crew? And I remember having those moments where I'm like, what is with this flighty, weird, like, this is not how I was raised. (laughs) Like, so you you have to filter through and you know because that mission thing is a big deal like most people you meet are on this this one track road right and they don't always make time for like solid relationships because those connections regardless of where work goes are what you have forever so i think you really spoke volumes and proved a lot of points by saying your people are who you've known longer than who you're just meeting now so i really appreciate that i would totally agree similar experiences for sure I mean, Tanuki and I both, I feel like, left because we did want our real community back. I think despite trying hard and being good at certain things, succeeding in certain jobs and whatever, we still didn't... It wasn't like home. And we'll treasure the friendships we have there. But I think our guts, like you're saying, you feel it in your gut when something is how it's supposed to feel for you. And home, at least for me, that's what that was. Yeah. I think what I often found in LA was that Things were changing quickly in LA, in the performance industry and the capacities that I was working, um, took pride in a lot of newness and new projects and new pilots and new shows. And I love that because I love new. (laughs) I love when things are cutting edge and, and, you know, every industry has a spot where new things are being rolled out. You know, Silicon Valley makes all the tech rules for the rest of the country, you know, like, Fashion rules are made in New York. There's new, new, new in different industries. But I remember when I I came home to Philly to visit, in my first visit, I was still very enchanted by this new life in LA after my first year. And then like after a couple of visits, I was like, oh, I love that things here at home have been this way for a while. And not every single thing is brand spanking new. Everything has a little bit of history. PA has cobblestone everywhere. It's this little... Independence Mall has been here since 1776. And when I looked at those two together, I gained a new perspective about the way things have always been in Pennsylvania. And I had thought to myself, oh, yeah, I'm staying in LA forever. I'm meeting my husband in LA, buy a nice little house, be in a nice little movie. You know what I mean? Like, I, in my head, yeah, that was my thought. When I lived in LA, oh. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> so interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, I was like, hmm. what am I going to do in Philly? There's nothing there. Let me move my family out here. But oh, wait a minute. Here's the yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. I want to live here now. But I also learned oh, that, God. like, Angelinos who were born in Los Angeles, people who are from there, like the Nipsey Hustles, like the people who are like from LA, were super down to earth mm-hmm. and were very kind and were very caring, consistent people who we're just very chill. And oftentimes the reputation that's gained is by people who are kind of in transit, have moved there recently, maybe haven't found their footing, but make the most noise. <laughs> and it's like, it's interesting that this reputation can be 
had by those who aren't necessarily the ones who are born and bred. So I think it's 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 just in, it's all very interesting to think about and to look back on and it's nice to hear you Jasimil reflect on just how community has impacted you and and how it's brought you to where you are now. And I, I guess with this I think now about like how community has helped you through challenges like you've talked about this year how it's a pandemic, right? And everyone has seen their fair share of challenges and it's been a time when you've been able to reflect and get centered and really just hone in on you. I wonder how we, right, revelation. I wonder how, <laughs> how we now can look back on, this is real, right, right. How the, we can look back on these challenges, like how have those challenges helped you and how have you grown and has community been able to like help you evolve into this present, authentic, real person that you're continuing to evolve into? Yeah. That was a lot. Well, I really think you you hit something there because while you're thinking, you know, what you said is that the people that had a community that was consistent are, it sounds like who was down to earth. They had their inner peace or a, a type of inner peace. And if that helps your thought process at all, I think that might be what we're getting at. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to be specific about LA because it's a very unique place, I guess, because the industry the industry all caps. Right. <laughs> it's such a sort of controlling factor in the city and really draws a lot of people here. So yeah, but to Tanuke's point, there's a lot of comfort and constancy, right? Whether it's constant people, like the same people, or whether it's the constancy of knowing that these cobblestones have been here since, I don't know, 1775. <laughs> no comfort in that. And I think that's just the truth. I think that's just the truth. I think what makes Los Angeles interesting is that people come here because I think people, a lot of people come here to do something. They come to, as you were saying, mm -hmm. they try to achieve a thing. And so they become like greyhounds and they only see their lane or they only wow. see the thing that they want to accomplish. So true. Without understanding that like back to the quote of like wanting to go far, go together that really it's about connecting with people around you. I mean, I think Issa Rae is such a brilliant example of that because she used She's great. her friends and she had a really incredible way of like creating work for herself using her network. And now she's uh, reached such an incredible level of, of artistry and creativity and has now been able to express herself on a large platform and make a lot of money. Amen. So Amen. <laughs> I want to make clear about that difference. And to Tanuke's point, yeah, people who live here are more down to earth because this is their constant, this is their life, this is their home. And so that it's just different when you're a transplant. And in a way I get it. I mean, because I think there's a bit of urgency people have when they come to, to LA because LA is a tough place to live. I think it's easier than New York, easier, but I think it's easier just because there's more green space and because the weather's nicer. I mean, I, it's still expensive and it's still right. you know, kind of a shitty place some days. But it's easier for really two big reasons. The weather's always great, and you can always kind of plan an easy escape in LA. Like you can go to a mountain, you can go to the beach. Whereas I feel like in New York, you feel like a big concrete prison because it's hard to get out of there, and it's, it's, everyone's on top of each other. <laughs> so that's the thing. Yeah. But to wrap it up quickly, I just think people have a sense of urgency when they come here because they want to get on right away. And so that begins to determine how they interact with people. And that begins to determine 
that begins to determine the level of, of authenticity they bring to new encounters and new and new connections because they're wondering how this person might be able to what this person might mean are they important should they be given value in their minds and their in the mental real estate of, of where they're trying to go in their lives and i think that often uh clouds relationships in los angeles and i think that makes it a little more complicated but i think also on the east coast there's better emphasis and better value placed on like artistry and i don't know that that's i haven't seen right. it in the same way in los angeles you know i think people here primarily kind of want to get paid they kind of want to get on tv mm-hmm. or start making money which is nothing wrong with that <laughs> but i think in places like new york or chicago people are more collaborative in spirit because there's a greater emphasis on like being an artist. And I think people sort of, I think grit is kind of honored in a different way on the East coast than it is in LA. Like people here in LA, I love that word. want to get on and I am mad about it. Cause me too, child. <laughs> but I think funny you mentioned, you said Chicago to hear that, right? Yeah. I love Chicago. Yeah. Same. I'm wondering if you think about, where these other places are in the country, right? I've noticed, and of course, spitballing, I don't know anything, but places like the Midwest, we forget Chicago's in the Midwest sometimes, and even New York, especially with the large Jewish population that I have a lot, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Jewish. I think family is so centered in that culture and also in the Midwest, like the vibe of the Midwest. I kind of wonder whether that version of community almost breeds a different person, not like better or worse, but someone who is really prioritizing maybe seeing their parents on the weekend or making time for different things and having more familial values versus versus Los Angeles. I didn't feel that. Like I think it took me a while to find like a really true best friend whose family was like mine, you know, or like wanted to do Easter together or wanted to, you know, and took family dinner seriously. So I think there's something to say for that. And I think that contributes to your success over time based on being grounded. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I sort of picked that up from what you were saying a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah. We'll see, right? It's all trial and error. But (laughs) do you think your community has led you to more of your successes or do you feel like they've been more individual for you? Like you've made the decision, it's been you the whole time stuff because there's you're like i did so many things (laughs) like i've done so many things i can't discuss community without mentioning that i was in a really wonderful relationship for a long time oh that's big and so that partnership and that relationship i'm learning now today not today but over the last few months for many of those years it was a really wonderful loving soft place for me to land every day at the end of the day and that is a huge thread in the fabric of my community, as I understand it today. So yes, community has been integral to the success that I feel right now. I also want to be specific about success, because I believe success is relative. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. I a lot of people believe otherwise, but success is relative. It's relative to what you want, and it's relative to how you make sense of your place in the world. And it's relative to what you want to accomplish while you're here on this rugged, rough rock of a planet. (laughs) I feel successful today. (laughs) You better use alliteration. (laughs) I feel like a success. Primarily because 
I know myself. And primarily because mm. I live in my every day. You know, there are so many people walking around who don't live in the truth, who just don't live in truth. Gosh, so true. Oh my God, it makes me want to scream and punch a wall, the people yeah, I meet. That- people who also don't consider other people. So true. In their decision-making. And so for me, I feel like I am certainly successful because of community and because of my relationships. Absolutely. And I try to hold space for people to be all of who they are. And I try to hold space for complicated truths within myself and within other people and within the connection, the energy of the connection that I have with other people. So yes, the community has certainly been integral to to the success that I feel that I am today. Now, the things I want to do, let me be clear. (laughs) There are things that I still have left to do that I still want to do. There's money that I want yet to make. There are projects that I would love to do that I have not done yet. But those are wonderful things that are great and that add value to my life. But I don't think that your success, at least not for me, my success isn't wrapped up in what's in my bank account or what I'm being paid to do. Or even having a man on my arm, necessarily. Oh. Yeah, my success is really, what I feel today more than anything is my success is really, is rooted in understanding who I am. It goes back to awareness. Understanding who I am and living in my truth boldly, proudly. And if someone can't accept me for all of who I am, then they don't deserve me. Word. That's real. And I think, (laughs) I'm so happy you brought up the relationship. It having been like this wonderful phase that it sounds like is not, you don't, you're not with this person anymore. No. But I'm glad you said that because I think people take for granted or just assume it's like a situation where you just have to move on. Like, dude, get over it. You just like do something else. Like what? That doesn't work like that. Like that person was literally a part of your routine. Like mm. you can't just assume that you're fine. And I, I, it drives me nuts when people are like, just like, what's the big deal? So you date someone else. Like, no, a human being feels things. There's a reason we are with because they feel things. And I don't think it's normal or hasn't been normalized in, I think maybe in American society to actually process that. It's grieving, you know, it's essentially loss. I don't know if people understand this really, but connection changes us on a molecular level. Yeah. It really does. Mental level, physical level. Yes, I totally you know, they, they've done studies involving water, I think, in Japan. Right, where, right. Yeah, there are scientists who have, I think, spoken to water or they have hired people to speak to water every day. I've seen it and I've read it. And when you look at the icicles, they freeze differently. Oh, my gosh. And Shut if you look up. at the like molecular makeup of the water, over time, the water molecules shift. They change from people talking to the water. It's really wild and strange. Also, there are studies, there's an area of study called epigenetics that speaks to how our DNA over centuries based on relationships, based on trauma, based on how Mm -hmm. we understand the world. Interactions, yeah. Interactions and how we carry trauma of our ancestors in our DNA. Well, relationships change us on a molecular level. And so you wanting to get off of somebody or get under somebody else is not the answer. Like you have to take time to examine for yourself how you wish to move forward and what you want, what you desire to learn 
from what just happened. Mm -hmm. So when you enter into a new relationship with someone different, that you enter with a clean slate and that you enter with all of who you are, with your heart open fully, with your body and spirit ready to receive new experiences, but also being willing to stand up for yourself and not take no bullshit. Okay. Right. (laughs) But I think you just spoke for the elements in a way. It's like, The fact that water would react, it speaks to chemistry, it speaks to nature, it's kind of like proving pieces of the chakra, belief system, all these, it's just fascinating. Oh, that's so cool. And aren't we like 70, 60% water? Yeah, I think 70 something. I think we're closer to like 75%. (laughs) That's It's crazy. That's why we're so drawn to beaches and bodies of water, lakes and pools. Mm-hmm. Rebirth, right? Sometimes too. We are very interesting creatures as human beings. And I think because there's been time to reflect in this past 12 months for many people, I think at least I'm seeing people are being very intentional. And of course, because we got to stay six feet apart with <laughs> whom they are interacting. Yeah. But I'm also just seeing that like it's you get so much more and you learn so much more about in-depth interactions rather than like quick exchanges and quick passings. So I think you bring up a lot of really good points, just Emil, about how we are impacted by those around us mm-hmm. even more than we can see. I wish the scientists in the beginning of COVID had just said social distancing, <laughs> not physical. I'm sorry, had just said physical distancing, not social distancing. Right. Oh, yes. Like I wish they had said physical distancing instead of social distancing. Yeah. Because I'm like, actually, it's not. Actually, we found new ways to be social in this space. We just can't be in the same right. physical space because of germs. But like our images, images our brain projects on FaceTime or our virtual hang are, I would probably, I don't know, I don't know the science, but it's probably similar to like sharing social space with somebody. It's not exactly the same because I am looking at a computer screen, but the feeling that we feel towards each other, the energy is still being exchanged. There's something social still happening. Yeah. I remember and I got on Zoom to talk to our friend Peter at one point way back, like April of quarantine. And I remember us all individually saying that that like made our whole week. We were like, right. I didn't know I needed that so bad. Like, something just, <laughs> I mean, we talked about music. We have to be singing a song. And so it was like all moving pieces and whatever. But it was just so interesting. Like it just, you're so right. We are social creatures. And I think connection keeps us alive. And that's why I crack up when people like I hear guys that just want these trophy wives, you know, and they just want to have like the hottest girl in the bar. And I'm like, okay, so when you're 80 and you're sitting in your rocking chair that you're so happy you can actually still stand up out of, you're going <laughs> to that this hot chick's going to keep you interested just sitting there when you can't move. Like, let's be real. Like what, you know what I mean? Like I think connection can be misconstrued and taken for granted when you have a good one. And now we have all these different ways of meeting people. And it's like, oh, there's something better. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. You got to give people a minute, you know? You got to like let it marinate. I don't know. But it's worth it is my point. I mean, you're, you're totally right. I'm just totally agreeing with you. So I agree. But is there anything like, I don't even ask, like, is there work you've done or scripts you've written where you could like tell people where to find plays you've performed in or written that we can see or characters you've played? Or anything for a website and or social media handle where we can find you yeah i'm on all the socials <laughs> i'm on all the social meds at jessamiel ross j-e-s-a-m-i-e-l-r-o-s-s okay 
I haven't done anything. Well, I know I did a like a musical in quarantine called Close But Not Too Close. Ooh. That, a piece of that is on my Instagram. You can also search it on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube. You just search Close But Not Too Close. That's cool. Maybe put NMI or Academy of Musical Theater in the search. I don't know. That's there. But I have just been cast in a couple of Shakespeare projects. So a virtual reading of Richard II, a virtual reading of Richard II and Richard III, and also Love's Labor's Lost. Mm. One is going to be a virtual Zoom reading. One, we are staging in a parking lot outside of the theater, and they're going to film it in the parking lot. Cool. And those are all going to be available on streaming probably very soon. The company is called Shakespeare by the Sea in San Pedro. Oh, wow. Really cool. And there's lots of like footage of me singing online, you know, on YouTube and whatnot. If you just search my name, primarily I did a lot of gigs with Rockwell. Tanuki knows that place. <laughs> I know Rockwell. Heck yeah. Shout out. Yeah, they just closed. They closed because of COVID. I know. My heart is really sad about that. I read that a couple weeks ago. And did you guys hear the LA Ovations tea? No. The LA Sage Alliance is like crumbling. Dígame, por favor. It's like falling apart. Wait, what? What? Why? Why? Because at the ovations, they uh, mispronounced the name of an Asian American actress. Oh. And they put up the wrong picture. They put up a picture of her castmate. Oh, oh my God. That's, that's unexcusable. I'm sorry. You should be able to talk to someone before you post information and figure it out. Confirm your shit. So East West wow. players company pulled out of LA Alliance. So has Celebration Theater. So has Center Theater Group. So has Deaf West. A couple of other theaters. Oh, so the most of the theaters on the West most Coast of the are in LA. Most Alliance because of that. Anyway, but theater in Los Angeles is... Different. Yeah, it's just... Eh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say that before. I mean, LA's not really a theater town. So right. yeah, it is what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But I guess that could leave room for you to be or to stand out in some way and make it a theater town, maybe your own way. Mm. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm at the age now where I really am interested in, I've done a lot of theater as it is. And I think there's a lot of beauty in theater. And I think there's a lot of, I think theater is necessary to be a well-rounded artist and to really learn how to act I think you got to do theater to learn how to act, like for real, for real, learn how to act. You got to do some theater. You get your training and your legs. You get your sea legs with theater. Like you find it with theater, and then you can go on and and get your land legs everywhere else. But you really find people are watching. It's happening. It's chronological. So you got to take the journey every time, and it's really about discovery as a person. Whereas you know, acting even in film, as you guys know, it's just a little more technical. It's a director's medium. It's not even so much for the actors. It's like mm-hmm. the director has a vision, and you have to sort of bring that vision forward. I think theater's more collaborative, but I think it's also a little bit more of a, like an actor-friendly activity. Because I think in theater, you're just kind of encouraged mm-hmm. to explore and things. Whereas in TV film, we got to get this shot. That's what I want you to do. Hit this mark, and then cry if you can, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let it go. You're not doing things in order, so you have to really, you have to chart everything out for yourself in the table reader and the rehearsal, and then you figure out where your character's coming from, given what has happened up to this point. But you might do some of the most intense stuff in the beginning because it's the more technical stuff. Like, you might be doing a, a sex scene with somebody that 
all this history has happened in the world of the story, but doing it on day one. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't work your way up to that. Yeah, you didn't have the first date scene yet, but we got to get this sex scene done. So yeah. you're like, oh, okay, here we are. We got to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Being different in LA, I think, a little bit. I know, and that's all. Oh, what I was making was that I don't necessarily feel called to do a whole lot of theater anymore, mm. so to speak. I do feel called to to become a better actor and to continue the work of calling for the artists I wish to be in the world. But also part of me is ready to like to just make some money, y'all. Hello? Seriously. I know. I feel you. I'm always trying to diversify as a photographer. I'm like, what else can I do? But it's exhausting. It is exhausting. But I mean, I've been inspired by a lot of the streaming content. I think one thing that streaming has Same. offered us is more, more thoughtful, more diverse. Mm-hmm artistic content and that's been really exciting there's been some really beautiful stuff uh, on streaming and i think if we didn't have streaming services we wouldn't have gotten you know as much as we i mean there's really like a wealth of stuff there's an embarrassment of riches on streaming services i think right now really great cool stuff to look at and so many jobs from that too which is great a lot of people are working based on supplying streaming content it's awesome super awesome we're so grateful. And I think we can definitely say we can take away a lot from what you said and having a why with what you do and letting people be who they are and owning who you are and defining success as, as trusting yourself, really. I think that's huge, huge takeaway. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Any last you want to say anything? I've been feeling very strongly lately that like that I, that we are extensions of the infinite. Whoa. And I'm feeling it very strongly. If you guys have ever read any of um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he speaks in a really explicit term. I think Tanuki and I talked about this a little bit. Tanuki and I have talked about this a little bit. We are made of stardust. <gasps> he speaks in really explicit terms about all the compounds, the chemical compounds that exist in the stars, exist inside of us on a molecular level. So we're extensions of the infinite. We're extensions of all that ever is and all that ever was. So take up all the space because you're you're literally made up of space. Oh, so take it up. Extend your arms out wide. Don't apologize for existing. Oh. You know, you're a star in your own right. And I don't mean that in any kind of like reductive celebrity way. I mean that literally you are a spark. We need like a part two. With you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to come back and like reconvene and be like, so here are my new molecular level discoveries. Do you approve? And see how deep I can dig because that that can go. There's so much you could, or so far you could go with that. That's so interesting. Yeah, and who you are knows no birth and knows no death. It has always mm-hmm. been soul. That's real. It's always been so. You matter, in other words. Or go fucking do something. <laughs> I love this. I'm ending on that. You matter. You are a spark. That yes. is the coolest thing. Oh my gosh. That is it. We might use that as a tagline and credit you because that's dope. I love y'all. Good night. <laughs> Thank you. If you'd like to re-listen or hear more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes under the name Angled Podcast. You can follow us and get in touch with us on Instagram as well. Our handle is at Angled Podcast.
Thank you so much. See you next time. What's your angle?